This Week in HPC. Dell and DMC make it official. And other storage happenings at SanDisk and Spectra. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening into another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research. I'm Addison Snell. That's Michael Feldman. And This Week in HPC is distributed in partnership with our friends at top500.org. Michael, we've had a big week this week in HPC. We've got a, a lot of news to cover, so let's get right to it. The biggest news, of course, is not just in HPC, but it's across the whole tech industry with Dell and EMC making the terms of Dell's acquisition of EMC official. This is the biggest tech acquisition on record at $67 billion, and it has a lot of HPC ramifications. This is the number one HPC server vendor by revenue in 2014, even though it's just narrowly over HP, but still the, the number one HPC server vendor is acquiring the number one vendor of storage for HPC by revenue in EMC, and uh, you know that's our little corner of the world in HPC, but there's a lot going on with this deal. Yeah, it's a huge deal. Yeah, like you said, not just HPC, but for the whole industry, sixty-seven billion dollars—the biggest that ever ever imagined in the industry. And and yeah, last weekend we did talk about it. We we sort of handicapped it. It was a rumor on uh, Friday, and uh, a few days later, it just became reality. Um, so it was, obviously, it was it was well into motion there. And yeah, it's going to affect uh, a lot of relationships now. EMC, obviously a uh, big storage vendor, not just in HPC, as we mentioned, but all over the industry. And Dell, one of the biggest providers of servers throughout the, throughout the industry. And of course, this isn't the only company brand that we see uh, embroiled in all of this. A big part of the discussion has, has been what's going to happen with VMware, which is you know, not directly related to being an HPC technology, although we do see them around the various conferences, and virtualization has been coming up increasingly as a topic uh, throughout the, uh, the HPC space. The interesting thing is that VMware remains a publicly traded company, but Dell, as part of the acquisition of EMC, is creating tracking stock, what they call a category of tracking stock, and then EMC shareholders, in addition to the cash, the $24.05 in cash they receive as part of the transaction, they get a ninth of a share of VMware tracking stock. Now, the tracking stock vote, so Dell retains the operational control of VMware, even though its financial or economic share drops to about uh, 28%. Right, and and that's certainly a good deal for for the shareholders over at EMC, and, and it's a good deal for for Dell too. I mean, VMware is a cash cow in a lot of ways. It's a, it's a nice revenue stream, um, but I wonder, like Dell's long term plans with VMware, it's not like they're going to take it in house. They the, VMware is, is selling to to everybody. It, it can't be a Dell. Uh, product only, you know, like on Dell hardware. So it's it's something that's probably not strategic for Dell in the long term, but certainly something that uh, is going to generate a nice cash flow uh, up front. 
And the cash is, you know, a big discussion here. Dell, of course, is highly leveraged as part of this acquisition, but as a result, they have a lot of cash lying around, too. Uh, they could do a lot with this acquisition in terms of how they position the two companies together, what kind of synergies they explore, what kind of, uh, you know, do they want to spin off any other lines of business to generate more cash? Dell has a lot of options here. Yeah, they actually did have to borrow quite a bit of money to do this. Of course, the Dell just went private. Uh, Earlier this year, officially, and now you know they're sort of in debt with that, and they use the same partner to to borrow some more money. But they do have some options here with some synergies, and especially with some of the properties that came with EMC. There's uh, Pivotal, Virtual Stream, RSA, uh, VMware itself. Uh, they they might end up selling off some of those pieces to to service some of that debt and to, and to reduce that in the in the near term. Um, you know, EMC was was criticized by some analysts for taking on sort of this this hodgepodge of, of companies that uh, some of them were cloud focused. I mean, Pivotal, VirtuStream, RSA was a security firm, um, but it didn't necessarily fit into EMC's strategic vision other than to become a bigger IT. T company, so Dell might take this in a different direction and use that as, as, as sort of uh, money to, to sell off and then just refocus the uh, the company. Of course, the most interesting thing for from my perspective, from our perspective in the HPC industry, is what's going to come of some of the more high-performance storage offerings out of EMC, uh, the Extreme I/O line of flash. Yeah, and kind of closing that out. I mean, it's sort of come full circle now. This week, we've got a new rumor in in the storage business. We got Sandisk now looking to put itself up for sale. They've they've hired a bank to explore the sale of the company, and it looks like they've got a couple of suitors, perhaps in. Western Digital and Micron Technology. Yeah, absolutely right. We've been talking a lot about these different flash memory companies recently. We talked about the the pure storage uh, uh, IPO last week, and now Extreme IO going over to Dell, and, and now SanDisk looking for a, a buying partner. Now we don't have a whole lot of details on this. This is now in the well, it's not really a rumor. We know for a fact that they're trying to be sold, but we don't. It's speculation as to who a buyer might be or whether a deal will go through. Right, and and two interesting companies, Western Digital and Micron, they have different reasons for for wanting that. But I think we'll reserve sort of the analysis on that until somebody makes a deal, so we won't uh, waste too much time on this podcast. But uh, wouldn't be a waste of time. But we got a lot to talk about. We got a lot to talk about here. And uh, earlier this week in HPC, sticking with storage for a second, I was in Boulder for Spectra Summit. They had their own uh, product announcement. Uh, we've already covered before uh, on this week in HPC. Spectra's Black Pearl product, which is their S3 gateway to their deep storage products. Spectra, not just a tape company anymore, has a few different uh, disk-based products, and uh, they, they have a shelf called Verde that's part of their Black Pearl offering. And this week, during their Spectra Summit, they introduced a, a new expansion for Black Pearl called Arctic Blue, which uh, the company says bridges the, the gap from 
uh, disc to enterprise disc to tape. They're going after something with more of the performance of disc, but more of the cost of tape to be integrated in your object-oriented uh, tiered storage strategy. I love the names of the the products they come up with: Blue Pearl, Black Pearl, Arctic Blue. These are these are great names. And Verde, they're very colorful over yeah, there. Very colorful, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean Spectra. It's hard to you know. I think we have to keep reminding people they are not just a, a tape company anymore. They've got some very interesting disc products now, sort of in the in the vein of tape as far as keeping efficiencies and power. Uh, usage down. So they've got uh, some kind of unique offerings. And yeah, this Arctic Blue is one of those. They're going to optimize certainly power and footprint here with with this and uh, something connected to their their Black Pearl strategy. But uh, interesting offering going forward. Right. Just to give a couple of specs on it very quickly, this is an object-based disk platform, but it, it incorporates a lot of the aspects we talked about with maids, where you can power down or you know, spin down or spin up different bands of disks, so you extend the lifespan of the disk and also keep the operating cost low. So they talk about the, the longevity and cost of tape with the performance of disk. Now, really, it's nearly the cost of tape and nearly the performance of a of other enterprise disks, but very nearly. They're talking about uh, performance in excess of one gigabyte per second and cost as low as 10 cents a gigabyte with a seven-year product lifespan versus other enterprise disks that could be typically only three. And each chassis of the Arctic Blue is going to hold 768 terabytes of raw disk that's organized into four bands, four wide bands, 192 terabytes per band, and those wide bands can be uh, powered off uh, independently when uh, when not in use. Yeah, interesting offering there. Yeah, the, the spin-down technology, I think, is starting to come of age, and uh, there's a, a lot of creativity going on right now to get that sort of efficiency uh, and, and performance out of these uh, out of this now. All right, one more real quick, Michael. There was a story we maybe could have covered last week. we got to get it in here eventually. Qualcomm's got another announcement, not in storage, but we should talk about it. Yeah, Qualcomm gave, uh, this was a couple weeks ago now, they gave a a demonstration of a 24-core ARM chip, a 64-bit server chip now. Of course, Qualcomm's famous for their their mobile ARM chips, but they want to get in the data center space now. And they they basically uh, came out from under under wraps a couple weeks ago and then showed this thing. In fact, the the chip in question here is, is actually being tested out at, at a Tier 1 data center that will remain unnamed for the time being. But they're looking to attack uh, the data center space, especially in, in cloud computing and, and data analytics and, and machine learning some of the, and some of the hyperscale spaces. Um, 24 cores basically beats out, I think, any of the other sort of sizes of the other ARM Server chips that have that have been introduced into the market, and actually, that's 20, 24 cores is a prototype. They might go higher, right? Yeah, they're actually saying that's the that's the low end now. I mean, the chip they expect to put into production is going to be quite a bit higher than twenty four cores. So we might be looking at something on the order of fifty cores or more when they go into production later this year. It'll be a very interesting chip if they manage to do that. For hyperscale, I can see it. You know, some of these uh, areas we've talked about around there, we still have haven't really determined to what extent ARM is going to penetrate a traditional HPC uh, environment, but with 64-bit ARM, uh, could be possible. Well, and the other interesting aspect of this, they partnered with Mellanox, and uh, 
and FPGA maker Xilinx to uh, to create the correct sort of synergies there for uh, eventually building servers out of these things. So they're looking at high-performance interconnects, at least, and the FPGA technology is sort of an add-in to uh, for for compute-intensive workloads for on top of the ARM chip. So uh, it's sort of an interesting partnership, and it's uh, I think they're they're looking towards a, a market that that has some interesting profiles to it. Very interesting indeed, and we'll keep looking at it. They're getting close to a couple of open power companies there. It could yeah. be interesting to see how that develops. All right, Michael, thanks for covering so much news with me this week. Uh, we got a lot going on, and we'll keep it up as we head towards supercomputing. Thanks to you for listening. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. 